All right, grab your Bibles, turn them open to Acts chapter 1. We're starting a new series today. Uh, and if you look through, yes, that's right. <laughs> I'm pumping a fist in the back. You know I'll do that. Acts chapter 1 is going to be good. Uh, listen, I hope you're in it for the long haul because uh, Acts is not a short book and we're not skipping anything. So uh, we'll start with a little bit today and we'll work our way through. Um, so Acts chapter 1 is where we're going to be. I-, I saw a picture online on my Facebook feed, and I, and I have it for you. I want them to pull it up for you to show you this picture. Because I saw this picture earlier in the week, and I was like, man, that's really, like, that seemed accurate when I first saw it, right? It's, it's a little, on the left-hand side, you got a, a, a long ladder and little rungs, like smaller rungs in between. And, uh, and on the right-hand side, you've got, and, and obviously, there's got the top on the left-hand side. And then on the right-hand side, a little person at the bottom, and the rung is too high for, for that person to grab. And it says, the importance of smaller steps. And I was like, yeah, that, like, that seemed like that was good, right? Like that's, that seemed like a reasonable thing. Like, you know, sometimes you need smaller steps. And, and the first thing that came to my mind was like our church. Um, when we first started, we were just tiny, like super tiny. And we, our first service, we had 12 people. And, um, the lowest service that I ever preached was, was three. Like it was, I went and drug out pews. Remember the days like drugging up, bringing out pews, Sherry? We would like bring out these pews and set them out. And I drug out all the pews. We had six of them. Move six pews by yourself. Like that was a pain in the rump. Took me an hour to like get them all out and set everything up and set the speakers up and get it all done. And three people showed up. And that's just disheartening, you know, when it's not all about numbers. But listen, like when you're putting in all this effort and preparing sermons and then like it's your brother-in-law, your daughter and your brother-in-law's girlfriend. And, and then my, my brother-in-law was like, are we doing this? And I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. Let's <laughs> like, well, we got to keep going. And so uh, so we did it. It was just really awkward. And and I, if you'd asked me back then, like, what did I think the church was going to look like a year from then? We're coming up on 11 years in a month. And if you'd asked me back then what I thought the church was going to look like in a year, I would have said, I don't know, 80 to 100 people, maybe, maybe 150 people. And by the end of the year, there was maybe 20 people that came to church. And, and I look back at that 11 years later, I look back at that and I think to myself, I, I didn't know what I was asking for. I didn't know, like, I, I couldn't have handled 80 to 100 people in that first year. I certainly couldn't have handled 100 and 150 people. I couldn't have pastored 150 people. I, and then the church couldn't have handled it. We, we didn't know as a church, we, we couldn't have handled that. And it seemed like that seemed reasonable, this picture. I was kind of thinking about that. But, but the problem that I thought to myself is that it doesn't stay that way. As I, as I began to like think about that picture, I thought it's only accurate for a little while. Because after a while, I want everybody to hear this for a second. Listen, after a, after a little bit, you have to take larger steps. Like as you grow as a person or as a church, like there, there comes a point when you don't keep taking baby steps. Like you have to take larger steps. You don't have a choice. And the more I thought about it, I thought, no, this, that's not exactly accurate because they're even all the way up. And that's not really the way that it goes. I started thinking like, what would I say is a better example? And I remember I bought my son a bicycle when he was, I don't know, like six. It was Jeremiah. I bought Jeremiah this little bicycle and Sarah and I were going to give it to him for his birthday. And, and I thought I would be funny. And I was like in the basement before we'd given it to him. And I'd looked at Sarah and, and I mean, this is like a little tiny toddler bike. And I was going to be like the big gorilla on a little bike, you know, like, and so I like hopped on the bike and I didn't even get like one pedal. I just snapped the wheel, right? The, the pedal just right off of it. Why? Because I was too big for that little bicycle. Are you with what I'm saying there? 
There, there's like, the, there's like a, a census right now. There's this like growing idea that I keep hearing. Some of you, if you've said this, don't be mad at me, but like some of you say this, so we'll talk about the new building and you'll say, what about this old building? What about this red brick building that we're in right now? What are we gonna do with that? And the answer is like, we own it. We own this building. And I hope that we're going to plant another church here. And I do mean a different church. I'm not trying to start Salt and Light East Campus, and I'm not going to simulcast a screen over here. That's not what we're saying. But, but everybody goes, oh, so if, if things don't really work out at the other place, then we'll be able to come back here. Guys, we're a little too big for that. Are, are you sticking with what I'm saying for a second? Like, we're a little too big if, if our rate of growth continues, by the time we move a month from now, we will have almost 500 people in church on, on moving Sunday. This church holds 150, 100 people comfortably and 150 people uncomfortably. That's true. And you've only got 60 parking spots outside. It's impractical. At some point, you'd have to say, like, it, that would be like the big guy hopping on a little bicycle and snapping the wheel off of it. Are, are you with what I'm trying to say there? And that is I think more the picture that we see in the book of Acts. As what happens is God has started a work. I've named this God at work. This is Acts, God at work. Because what we see is God has started a work and we start with some smaller steps. But by the time we get through this book, what I hope you'll see is that God's having the church make big steps, not little steps. Because there comes a point when you don't keep taking baby steps. You have to go a little further. And you don't just see that in the church. But as we read through the book of Acts, you'll see that in the apostles. And then in the disciples, as God not only grows the church in numbers and in their reach, but he also grows the church in the body. He grows the person, the individual, as they're being discipled and those apostles, as they grow and their relationship with the Lord is furthered. And I hope that as we look through that, that you'll be able to find some application for yourself as to what the Lord's doing with you and what he's doing with you in the church and what he's doing as you as part of the church. All right, let's look at this together. Did I give you enough time to find Acts chapter 1? It was like a long introduction. So if you don't have it, you don't know where Acts is. So, uh, all right, Acts chapter one, here we go. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have, learned, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons for which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer about his word. Heavenly Father, we turn to you in Jesus' precious name and we ask you to send your spirit upon this place. 
Father, we pray that your word would come alive to us, that you would open our eyes afresh, open our hearts afresh to your word. Father, I mean it. I even pray for those who were here in the first service, who are volunteering, who've already heard. Father, I pray that we would see it afresh even again, that your word would be living and transforming, that you would transform us, that we wouldn't be conformed to this world, but we would be transformed by renewing of our mind. Father, would you do that for us? Would you charge us? Would you ignite us, light us ablaze? We want to be on fire for you that we might leave this place today on fire with your gospel, knowing that you've called us to a good work and you'll be faithful to finish it. So Father, we pray for you to take over this time in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now in Acts chapter one and verse one, you see this, the former account I made, O Theophilus. I'm just gonna stop there for a second because that gives you an indication of who's writing this book, right? You understand that a man, a human being had to write this book. Just shake your head yes, right? There's a guy that had to write this. And the guy that wrote it, I'm not gonna turn you there, but if you want to see it for yourself, you could go back to Luke, the gospel of Luke. So Matthew, Mark, Luke. You could read in Luke the first three or four verses there and you'll see that Luke said the same similar thing in the gospel of Luke, he said that he was writing to a guy named Theophilus and he was going to write to Theophilus to tell Theophilus of all of the things that Jesus had done. That's why Luke was writing. So there's a guy, a human being that the Holy Spirit had inspired to write the book of Acts. And that's this guy named Luke. And look what he says, the former account I made, O Theophilus. So Luke is writing to a guy named Theophilus and he says, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. Did you see that? Have you ever asked yourself this question? I want you to think about it, that God in his word in the Old Testament, he kept promising of this Messiah. Don't go to sleep yet. Stay, stay with me. God kept promising. It's like too early to go to sleep. I, I, you can sleep later, right? After lunch. Uh, just not now. Okay, so here's what we see in the scriptures is that God kept promising this Messiah is coming, this Messiah is coming, this Messiah is coming. He prophesied it. He promised it. He kept recording it. He was given all of these typologies to show it. We were seeing this over and over again. And then you get to the gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the guy writing this book, Luke. He writes down an account in the gospel of Luke of all of the life of Jesus. He starts at Jesus's birth and he goes through his birth and his life, his, his suffering and his death, his burial, his resurrection, and then even ends with the ascension. You see all of those things of Jesus. And by the way, I need you to hear this. That is so important that your whole entire eternity is based upon it. Did you hear what I said? Like that is such an important thing. The gospel is so important that Jesus Christ, the son of God, lived on this earth and never sinned. Though he never sinned, he died a sinner's death, your place. Jesus Christ took your place in death and they buried him. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And 40 days after that, he ascended to the father. And that's what Luke had recorded. Are you all with me? Luke recorded the life and death and burial and resurrection of Christ. The very thing that if you put your faith in, that's what saves you. Do you understand that? Yes. You with me? Now, are you with this? Luke said that's what he began to do. You ever notice the Bible doesn't end with the Gospels? You, you know what the Bible is, is not doing is saying, like, just like we saw today, 
Let me, let, me, let me put it to you like this. Maybe you're toying with the idea of baptism. Maybe you're toying with that. Maybe you've been thinking to yourself, like, maybe I need to make a decision. Maybe I need to, to come forward. Maybe I need to profess Christ as my Lord. I want you to know the church wants you to do that. But I hope you know this. It is not our end goal to simply see you get saved and get baptized and then, oh, it's all over. Now we're on to the next. Friends, I need you to hear this. Your salvation, that's the beginning. Just like what happened in the, in the Bible, there's this perfect picture in the Bible that we've been promised the Messiah and promised the Messiah and promised the Messiah. And then the New Testament, it's not like it ends with the gospel. Here comes Jesus who died and was buried and rose for you. No, no, no. That's where the New Testament starts. And that's your life. In Christ, when you put your faith in him, what he starts in you is a whole new life. It's the beginning of a new life. It's the end of an old life and the beginning of something completely new. And look what he says. He says this, this is, I'm back to talking about Luke and Acts. Luke is writing to Theophilus and he says, this is all that Jesus began, I wrote to you the former account of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. But look what he says, until the day in which he was taken up after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he had presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of them pertaining to the kingdom of God. So here's Christ in his resurrected form. Is everybody sticking with me? Luke had wrote to Theophilus about how Jesus had died and was buried and resurrected. And he said that Jesus was seen by many infallible proofs for 40 days. There were these like infallible proofs that he was there. He was alive. I want to tell you this. I want everybody to hear this. That is how Christ has begun a work in you because he's the risen savior. Let me give you an example from the opposite direction. You want to play a game? Everybody ready to play a game with Justin? I'm going to say a company and you're going to say the first name that comes to your mind when I say the company. You ready? I'm going to say a company. You can do this. I made him easy. You ready? I say a company. You say the name that comes to your mind. You ready? Tesla. Elon Elon Musk. Yeah, you got that. That was easy, right? If I was to say KFC, Colonel Sanders. If I say Disney, liberal rags. Okay, so uh, that's funny. Y'all said, who said Donald Duck out there? That was, that was really funny. That's a good one. Actually, but if I say Disney, you'd probably say Walt, right? Like Walt Disney. So now with me, stick with me. Now, granted, I think Disney's super crazy liberal right now. You, you with that? Like I'm, I'm not promoting them. I'm not promoting their liberal agenda. I'm not promoting them teaching your kids how to be homosexual. I'm not promoting that. I'm saying to you that Walt, this guy named Walt Disney started a company. And years later, even though he's gone, there's like theme parks and there's, cha- there's like whole streaming online platforms and there's movies and there's all, kinds of, of, there's all kinds of things connected with Disney because of what this guy, Walt Disney, started. Is that what Christ did Did he start something and and it was like he cast the vision and he got everybody in on his side and then then he was martyred and now because of what he did and his vision, now everybody's furthering that? Is that what, shake your head, no. Is that what he's doing? I have to tell you all sometimes, like, I don't know if that's what he's doing. (laughs) Well, let me tell you, that's not what he's doing. Listen, it's different than that. Christ started a good work in his death and his burial and his resurrection It is the risen savior that makes the difference. 
He has started a work in you as the living, risen Savior. Let me give you a better example of what it probably does look like. I have another picture for you. It's like show and tell. I've got pictures. So I bought, they're going to put a picture up. I bought uh, a sectional last year for my basement, you know, like, like a piece of furniture, a couch. It was several pieces. And it was a configurable piece of furniture. She did not know I was doing that. So sorry, Phoebe. I should have asked your permission. <laughs> Phoebe's turning red. <laughs> it's okay, Phoebe. They, don't, they love you. All right, now, now look. I bought this sectional, I bought this, this piece of furniture and it was like configurable. You could buy, you buy different pieces. And so I bought a, a chaise lounge and I bought a two seater and then a corner piece. And then there was a one seater and then a little one seat with an arm and it kind of wrapped around. And the problem in my basement is there's a support pole. And so I can't put any more pieces in that. That's as big as it'll go. And then it runs into the support pole. Like there's maybe, maybe that much space. The delivery guys got there with my sofa after I had measured it all out. They got there with my new sectional and they had brought an extra one-seater with no arms. So it could have been like a chaise and a two-seater in a corner and then two one-seaters in this arm. But I don't have enough room because there's just pole in my way. And I was like, uh, man, I, di I didn't order that piece. I didn't get that middle one. And so we go and we check the little shipping ticket and, and it's not on there. I didn't pay for it. It's like a $450 piece that goes in between. And he goes, man, it's not on the ticket. He was like, I'm not putting that back on the truck. If you, if you want it, you can just have it. Okay. And it's not going to fit where the pole is, right? Like, it's not going to fit there, but I mean, I'm not going to turn it down. All right, sure. So he left it with me. And I'm, I tried to like put it in a corner of the room, like make it like a little armless chair, but that didn't make any sense. It looked like a piece of a sectional sitting separate. It just looks stupid. And so I was like, can't do that. I'm staring at it for a few days. And I thought, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to make that into an ottoman. Now I'm an upholsterer by trade, 18 years of upholstery work. I looked at that chair and I'm like, I can do this. I took a tape measure and I measured it out. I drew up a little plan. Like I'm, I'm drawing out the pieces. Yeah, I could, this will totally work. It'll fit. I'll cut it off here. I'll unstitch this fabric. I draw it all out. I've got my little plan sitting there. And so I go out in the garage and I'll start taking the fabric off and Phoebe shows up. She opened up the door and she said, she said, dad, can I help you? I said, you want to help me make this into an, into an ottoman? She said, yeah, come on. Like, this is great. Now, I want to stick with me for a second. Do you think I handed her my plans and were like, make it happen? Like, there's the vision. Does that make sense? No, even that picture is staged. Sorry, Phoebe, I got to ratchet out a little bit. That drill, when she would try to hit it, it was so tight. The screws were so tight, it would spin the drill. So even that picture, I had to reach over and I had to loosen the screw a little bit to get it started. And then I handed her the drill and she took it out the rest of the way. And I took all the fabric off and we sat there and together I would help her mark it and we would measure it and we marked it and we laid all the fabric out and unstitched it and I chalked it all out and showed her how to measure it. And I'm standing right there with her showing her exactly where to cut. And when we put it back together and we were nailing the pieces back together, I'm telling her exactly where to nail. And when we upholstered it, I'm helping her. I'm saying, pull it right here and put the staple gun right here and even sometimes I would have to grab the gun and put it right where she needed it. Now, when we were done, do you think I was proud of my daughter for helping me? Yeah. Yeah. With me, Stick with me, though. Could she do that on her own? That's what Christ is doing in you. The risen Savior has called you to a good work. And he's the one right there with you. He's telling you exactly where to mark it and exactly where to cut it. He's telling you exactly what work needs to be done. He didn't just cast a vision and say, here, run with this and build the church. No, he's right there as the risen savior. And the work that he began to do, he's gonna finish in you. Amen. Thank you. Somebody said amen. Goodness gracious. Is it hot? Goodness. Okay, look, look, look. come back to Acts with me. Look at Acts chapter one and verse four. Look what happens. And being assembled together, Y'all just know, like, you can give me amens. Like, you can encourage me. Like, that's good. We'll get, like, or not. Sit there quietly. It's fine. Um, so, okay. Right. 
All right, and being assembled together, I'm in verse four with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the father. Doesn't this sound wonderful? Jesus is talking to the disciples. Luke is recording this as Jesus told them, don't depart from Jerusalem. He said, wait for the promise of the father. And then look what he says, which he said, you have learned from me for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, not many days from now. Now you and I look at that, we ought to get pretty excited about that. He just said, you're going to be baptized with the Spirit. But I wanted you to put yourself in the apostle's shoes. The apostles don't have church history. They don't know anything about the church. They've heard Jesus, as best as we can tell, they've heard Jesus use the word church one time. Jesus said to Peter in his confession, he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Well, I guess he also said to bring people before the church. So let's say twice. They haven't heard about the church a lot. They don't know anything about the church age. They don't know anything about what, what does being baptized in the spirit mean? Look what, he, look what they said in verse six. Jesus just says, you're gonna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Look what they say. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Do you, do you, do you get that? Like he just said, you're gonna be baptized with the spirit. And they're like, is this it? Is this what you've been promising all along that you're gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? I don't fault them. Like they didn't know exactly what being baptized in the spirit was. They kind of heard what they knew. That it used to happen to me all the time at the fabric store. People would come in and I would quote them for their job. And they would say, how long is it going to take? And I would say, it takes about two to four weeks. And, and I'd get them on the schedule. You know, if, if you came to Walker Fabrics right now, it'd probably be like June or July. I'm not there anymore. I don't work there anymore. So don't hold me to that if you go in there. But, but it, you'd probably like have to wait till June or July to get on the schedule. And then it's two to four weeks from that time. Never failed. There'd always be somebody who would say to me, hey, can I just leave this piece here with you? Like I brought it all the way up here. I don't want to drag it all the way back home. Can I just leave it here with you? And I'd say, sure, but you're, you're still on the schedule for June or July, right? Like it's two weeks from that time. And guess who would be calling two weeks later? Every time they call up two weeks later and like, hey, are you done yet? And I'm like, no, no, no. I said, I said, it's two to four weeks from the time we start. But what did they hear? They just heard two to four weeks, right? Like I'm not, I'm, again, I'm not faulting them. I'm just saying we hear the thing that we think we know. The apostles are like, we're gonna be baptized with the spirit. Is this it? Is this the coming? Is this the, the you're gonna restore the kingdom right now? And look at what Jesus says. He says in verse seven, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he shall be my witnesses. You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Did you see what he just told them? They said, is this it? Is this the promise of the kingdom gonna be fulfilled right now? And he says, no, that's not for you to know. That's in the Father's authority. You don't, that's not for you to know when he's gonna restore that kingdom. Here's what you need to know. That the Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and that's where you're gonna get your power. Like you're gonna, you're gonna have power. Look what he tells them to do. He tells them, he says, you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You're gonna be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria. And then he just jumps forward. I love this jump. He goes from, from you understand Jerusalem's the city, right? Judah is the, is the nation around that city. That's the nation of Judah, Judea. You with me, right? Then he says Samaria. If you're confused about Samaria, that's what used to be Israel. If you're in the later part of the Old Testament and you're seeing Israel and Judah, Israel got taken captive and they never returned. Judah returned from captivity, but Israel never did. They became Samaritans. That's why the Jewish people in the New Testament, don't fall asleep, listen, this is good stuff. That's why the Jewish people hated the Samaritans because they were half-breeds. 
They, were, they had mingled. The Israelite people had mingled. When they were taken captive, they never restored the nation. They'd kind of mingled with other nations and they were half-breeds. And so the Jews in the New Testament, you see them hating that. Listen to what, what Jesus is telling them. You're going to be my witness in Jerusalem. It's going to go further than that. You're going to go to Judea. You're going to go further than that. You're going to go to Samaria. And then he says, you know what? You're going to go to the whole world. How is this? How, how are these disciples? Guys, we're talking about a group of guys that haven't worked in three years. True. It's true. Like they haven't been running their fishing business for three years. How are these guys who don't have regular jobs right now, how are they going to reach the whole world? You ready for this? Because the Holy Spirit's going to give them power to do it. Listen, hang on. Wait, wait, wait. How are we? How can we, you ready? How can we reach LaGrange? How can we reach Louisville? How can we reach Kentucky? How can we reach the whole world? Is it because we're growing in numbers? Is that what it is? Because now we've got 300 people coming to church on a regular basis. Is that what it is? Like our weekly three, we've gone from 20 people to, to 300 people. Is that what it is? Now we've got strength in numbers. Please shake your head no. Is it because the bank account's bigger? Who cares? Y'all drain that bank account. I hate money. I don't care anything about it. Y'all think it's about money? It never is. You come to me bragging about it, I don't want to know. I can't stand the stuff. It just causes nothing but problems. You think it's our money? No. Say, say no. It's not our money. It's not our growth. It's not a new building. It's not how good our music is. It's none of that. You ready? How are we going to reach the whole world? Because the Holy Spirit's going to give us power to do it. You know what I love in the Bible? I love these stories that we read. I love reading about Peter, who, I want you to stick with this idea because we're about to read in chapter two of Acts. We're going to read something that Peter does. Peter, just a month earlier, a month and a couple of weeks earlier, when a little girl asked him if he knew Jesus, he cussed her and denied it. He was so scared to, to admit that he knew Jesus the night that Jesus was being crucified. He cussed the little girl. And here in chapter two, when we get to Pentecost and and cloven tongues of fire come down on them, and they're all speaking in tongues, and there's people standing around literally mocking. Peter will be the first one to stand up and speak to the whole group of everybody and tell them that this was the work of the Lord. You know what I love is when you see Stephen. The Bible says that they hated Stephen so bad, they were so mad at Stephen, he became the first martyr for the faith, at least that we know. They were coming at Stephen, says they were gnashing him with their teeth. That sounds like biting to me. You ever had a little kid come at you trying to bite you? That's scary. Some of you know, like some of you are like, I had that. Like the little kid, you got him like, uh, by the face. You're trying to hold him back. You imagine these grown men are trying to bite this guy and they, they're stoning him. He's going to die. They're hitting him with stones. And in the midst of that, he's asking God for their forgiveness. Where's that kind of strength come from? You know, what I love is Paul. There's a story that we'll get to in the book of Acts when Paul is in Lystra. They are so mad at Paul and Lystra that they stone him and they think they've killed him. Like they think he's gone. They think they did it. They stoned him to death. They drag Paul out of the city, throw him outside of the city. And the Bible says that Paul came too. And when Paul wakes up, they just tried to stone him to death. And when he wakes up, you know what he did? He went back in and he preached to them again. Where's that kind of strength going to come from? How are you and I going to do that? Because he says this, are you ready? The same Holy Spirit that he offered in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, that same Holy Spirit, he said, would come upon us. Maybe you're like the disciples. Maybe you're in here right now and you're saying, Justin, I don't fully understand this baptism of the Holy Spirit. What, what is that? Can I have you turn in your Bible? Will you read it with me? Would, I want you to actually turn there. Turn in your Bible and look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. 
1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13. Can I have you all pull it up on the screen for me? Now read this with me. I'm going to stop. And when I stop, you're going to say the word. If you don't know what word it is, it's on the screen. We all got the process here. We can do this. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Did you see it? Read it again. By one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. What is, what is Jesus telling them in Acts? He says that not many days from now, you're going to be what? Baptized by the spirit. Here we see for by one spirit, you were all baptized into one body. Let me make this very clear. I'm trying to tell you as clear as I can tell you. When you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, everybody listen, you got this? When you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, you put your faith in him, he gives you the Holy Spirit. Now, here's what somebody said to me one time. They said, Justin, what does that feel like? Like, how do I know when I have the Holy Spirit? I'm going to challenge you for a second. I want you to hear this. It's not tingles. It's not the spirit tingles. Those are good sometimes. I'm not denying. Like there are sometimes you talk with somebody and you feel the spirit. But you ever had that happen? You feel the spirit talking. You know. You ever had that happen? Sure you have. Some of you are scared to say it because we're Baptist. But it's okay. Like we're, we're all about the spirit. It's good. So, but listen. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not tingles. I had a young lady say to me one time, you would know if you were baptized by the Spirit because you'd speak in tongues. But that's not true either. I want everybody to hear this. Listen, how do you know that you're baptized in the Spirit? You ready? Because the Scriptures told you. It's not a feeling, it's faith. Are you willing to trust what he told you he would do? He has said this, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And here's what he said, that in that belief by one spirit, we were baptized into one body. What body is that? The church body. How do you come into the church body? By belief. What's he do when you believe? He gives you the Holy Spirit. I know we're a little late, but just turn one more. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians 6. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. So you're going backward just a couple of pages. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19 and 20. Look what he says. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? And if you don't know what he means by temple, he clarifies it. Who is in you whom you have from God? You are not of your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Is everybody listening to me? How are you baptized in the spirit? By faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in him, he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you. And you say, Justin, I don't, you, you're telling me I never feel that? I'm not saying you never feel it, but I'm saying you don't. I, the moment that that happens, that I'm not promising you're going to get tingles, or you're going to speak in tongues, or you're going to roll around on the floor, or anything. What I'm promising you is that the Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, he indwells you with the Holy Spirit. And listen to this, that's the same spirit that he said is gonna help them take the message, the message of Jesus from Jerusalem to, to, to Judea, to Samaria. Are, are you sticking with me? Do you see the smaller steps getting bigger? From J Jerusalem to Judea, to Samaria, to the whole world. How's that gonna happen? Because they're going to have the Holy Spirit. And so look, I'm back in Acts chapter 1 and verse 9. I'm going to finish it up. Look what he says. Now when they had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. 
And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, he went up and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will also come in like manner. And as you saw him go into heaven. Do you understand what just happened? 40 days after Jesus is crucified. That's where we are, 40 days after he's crucified. And they're all, all, they're all gathered together. The disciples and apostles are all gathered up together. And Jesus, literally, are you with me? He literally begins to float. He starts ascending. He starts going up. And they're watching. And the Bible says a cloud received him out of their sight. And the implication here is that they're still staring like Jesus has disappeared. And they're still staring steadfastly. It's like they're stuck on it. You would be too, wouldn't you? Like you'd, you'd be totally stuck. They're like watching and all of a sudden, there's these two men in white apparel. Was white a common color back then? Probably not. It's a pretty sandy, dirty area. I don't think they wore white all the time. There's these two men in white apparel. That means they're probably what? Angels. There's these two angels standing there, and they said, men of Galilee, why are you standing here staring? Now, get the implication here. Why are you staring? Now, why is he asking why they're staring? Because you know that the same Jesus who was taken up, he's going to come back in like manner. Right? We, we get the point, right? You know, why are you sitting here staring? You know he's going to come back. Why are you staring like this? Now, hang on, wait, get the implication. What's he saying? Why are you standing here staring and waiting? There's work to be done. Why are you staring at the clouds waiting for him to return? You know there's work to be done. How do they know there's work to be done? Because he just told them you're going to be baptized in the spirit and you're going to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the whole world. Are you listening to me? I hope everybody hears this. God did not call you here to do nothing. Amen. As a matter of fact, I want to say something. I said it earlier and I want to say it again. I want everybody's attention. God didn't call you here because you think this church is a spectacle. God didn't call you here because you think my life is a spectacle. God didn't call you here because you're supposed to sit and watch us grow or somehow you think that you're going to get some power or cloud or authority. None of that. God has called you here to do the work. And if you don't do the work, you're out of his will. As a matter of fact, I want to say it like this because I'm trying to help you as because I know a lot of you have experienced some, as some like to say to me, some church hurt. I want everybody to hear this. If you aren't working for the Lord, if you're not serving, if you're not working, you'll turn on each other. Did you hear me? If you're sitting around warming up a pew, if you come on Sunday and you listen to the message and you really want to be involved in church, but you go and do nothing then the next thing you do is turn on each other. Charles Spurgeon, I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said that soldiers in the barracks will fight with each other, but on the battlefield, they're a team. Friends, God didn't call you here so that you could sit in a pew and watch or hear sad stories about my life. That's not what he's called you here for. He's called you here because he's got work for you to do. There's a message that needs to go to the whole world. There's bigger steps to take. All right, I hope you're with me in this. He's not calling you here. Maybe he called you here and that's a baby step for you. I came, right? Maybe for you, the baby step is I came and I listened to a pastor speak. I haven't done that in years. But friends, there's a time when we go out of baby steps and we take bigger steps, don't we? And that's what he's called you to. He has called you to come and do the work. I'm going to tell you one more story. I know I'm out of time and I know some of you are hungry, but the Methodist already made it to KFC. So some of you think my jokes are funny. Some of you are like, he just said Methodist. We like the Methodists. They're great. Nobody's against them. I just said they beat you to lunch. All right, now just one more story. I promise I'll, I'll be done. True story. I went to Honduras a couple of years ago. When I went to Honduras, they said, you were, they said to me, they said, Justin, we need you to preach at this church and saying something. I can't remember what it was. It was right outside of Taylor. I said, okay, 
They were all excited about me coming because I was a pastor coming and, and they wanted somebody that didn't just want to do construction, but that would come and preach. I said, sure, I'll preach. I'd never preached with a translator. So I get to this church. They kept talking about this church. When I got there, there was a, a wall that was about this tall that made a, a square smaller than this room, a rectangle smaller than this room, but it wasn't finished. So there was this gravel lot. The gravel lot was probably the size of my basement. It had four by four posts and a tin roof and the four by four posts were busted up old four by fours and the tin roof was like rusty and had holes all in it. They were just trying to get some shade. When I got there to preach that night, we were standing around waiting forever and forever. People were bringing their own chairs. They had all these lawn chairs. People would, would come walking or they'd be riding on mopeds, holding a chair on a moped, like holding a chair behind them. And they're riding on mopeds coming into church and they would bring their chairs with them. Somebody brought some string lights and they strung up string lights across the top of this, of this tin roof and they're putting out their chairs. There were dogs running around my feet when I was preaching. I asked him, I said, what, like we're waiting, we're still waiting. I said, what are we waiting for? And they said, we're waiting for so-and-so to get here. Like that's, that was their gauge of time. Like when so-and-so gets here, that's when, we'll, that's, when we'll, uh, that's when we'll get started. They didn't say like we'd start at six. That was, we'll get started when this guy gets here. I found out later that when that guy got there, it's because we were waiting on the generator. And we were going to use a gas power generator. And it was like a busted up old gas power generator. That's how we were going to get the lights going. And I got to preach that night standing in, on this gravel, this big rock gravel lot under this tin roof with dogs running around my feet. And everybody was standing there praising the Lord. And I can tell you this, like that moment spoke to me way more than anything I could have ever said to those people. This is where I want to get to though. Because when I got back, I promise you, true story, the day that I got back, you know what I heard? Justin, can we please do something about these hardwood pews? Did you hear me? When you don't work, you turn on each other. You get mad about paint color and car carpet color. And what songs did we sing? And did they speak to you in the right way? And did the pastor use the right gestures? Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? God didn't call you here to get mad about paint colors or the way that we organize deacons. He has called you here to do the work because he wants you out in the field doing the work that he started. He started it. And he wants you to keep it going. And he's right there with you, indwelling the Holy Spirit in you. Have you ever had that? Have you ever been indwelt by the Spirit? Have you put your faith in Jesus? If you haven't, then I'm encouraging you to do it right now. How about we all stand up on our feet and we'll close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that you have offered us your Holy Spirit. We who are evil and don't deserve a thing, and yet you have offered us your Spirit and told us that we could be indwelt by you that we could be empowered by you. Father, I pray that we would not be a church that sits around just that. Father, I don't want to be a church that sits around. I want to be a church that's on fire for you. Ignite us, Lord. Send us out of here charged and ready. As a matter of fact, Father, I just want to boldly pray if, there's, if we're here, if any of us included in this, if we're here and we don't want to do the work, Father, let, us go, let those people go somewhere else. Father, I pray that this would be a church of workers. I pray that we would be a church on fire for you. Father, we don't want mediocre. We don't want average. Father, we want to be bold. And we know that there's nothing to be ashamed about. You've said that in your word, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of salvation unto all who believe. Father, would you help us to see that? I'm begging you, Lord, ignite us, set us ablaze and send us out of here with your gospel. Let us never hide the word here in these four walls. Father, let us be a church that goes out on mission. I pray that you'd be at work in us. 
And that, Father, whatever you have for us, I pray that we'd be humble enough and willing to follow you where you would call us to go. And Father, I pray right now for those who might be in this building or watching online who've never trusted you. Father, those who you're speaking to even right now and letting them know that you're offering them eternal life and you're offering them a new resurrected life even right now. Father, would you let them know that that call is for them too. So Lord, wherever, whoever's here and wherever they are, I pray that you'd pull upon our hearts and draw us closer to yourself. Take this time of invitation, do with it whatever you want. God, we give it to you. We give it all to you. You are so glorious and so good and we don't deserve this. Take this time of invitation and do with it your will. In Jesus' name, amen.